You're listening to The Central Cast, recorded each week in front of a live audience in Glendale, California. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here. And um, yeah, um, I wanted to let you know that we met last week with the leadership, um, the elders and staff met together um, to kind of discuss what's going on with uh, COVID-19, with the Delta variant, and some kind of adjusted plans for us being able to come back together in person. Um, So we'll be talking more about that as uh, things unfold, but uh, for the meantime, um, we're going to be mostly uh, no longer meeting for our in-person services at the church, which we had planned to do uh, once a month um, until things changed again. Um, So right now we won't be having any indoor meetings whatsoever, but what we are going to do is in the future, um, we're going to adjust the way we've been doing our brunches to include more of a Eucharist meal for that to be more intentional part of the service that we do together. Uh, And that will be all outside um, as it has been. Um, so for the extent that you feel comfortable meeting outdoors with people, we're going to continue to have those offerings, but know that our Sundays are going to continue to be available, um, virtually here to meet on zoom, um, so that everybody, no matter what their comfort level can still be a full part of this community here. Um, So thank you for being in this process with us as we struggle through what it means to be community when we're all so separated. I'm thankful for the opportunities. Dan and Angie have been leading hikes for us. We've been doing holy happy hours, have a few other opportunities like that coming up as well. but uh, no, I'm, I'm grateful for your um, continued participation and commitment here in this community um, here at Central. And as I know all of you are, I'm looking very much forward to when we are able to more safely be together. But uh, uh, thankful again for the opportunities to safely do it here right now. And Angie will tell us more about that for our brunch that we're having after our shortened service today. Um, And so as we kind of open our service in prayer, I wanted to say a couple of things. First, uh, this is a great time to grab elements for communion if you haven't done so already. And we'll be taking communion together here. Um, So whatever you have around you uh, are are great and we'll all bring our own elements to uh, make that our shared meal together. Um, Also, uh, as we are... um, Gosh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about all the things happening here in the world. It's not just COVID, which continues to be an issue, but especially COVID in light of uh, another day of almost 180,000 cases again here in the United States. Um, just one day, but as I was connecting with Max with school coming back, um, I'm expecting there to be another big, huge uptick in cases here. And so um, we are finding out that we're not nearly as over and through this yet. And I know that's a lot of stress for um, all of us, but I know that causes a, a ton of stress, especially as people were kind of ready to move out and get back to a normal. Um, so for everybody's mental health in this, for physical health, 
um, uh, I want us to take time to pray for that. And then also to remember um, some of the other things happening here around the world. Um, you know, we've, we mentioned last week, but is obviously a continued concern of um, the conflict in Afghanistan and removal of troops and the two decade long crisis that we've been involved with and all the complexities there. There's so much hurt and brokenness, um, continued conflict in Palestine, um, you know, continued struggle with race relations and discrimination um, for black people and people of color. Gosh, there's, there's just so much happening. And I'm so thankful for a church like this, where we can talk about these things and um, look to find ways to make a meaningful impact. So um, with our shortened service, we're not going to be doing prayers of the people. So as we pray, um, this will also be a time for us to lift up each of our concerns. And of course, you can always reach out to any one of us on leadership, um, staff or elders. We'd be happy to talk, pray, um, do anything one-on-one. -on -one. You can connect with one of us privately in the chat here if there's things specifically to. Um, but would you join me in prayer as we open up service? God, thank you for this space. I say this often, but thank you for calling us to be church in community, not just people who believe right things, but people who engage in a way of living and caring and hope and transformation in the world. Thank you for calling us to be a part of the transformative work of um, bringing your kingdom more fully present here to this space. God, specifically, we lift up the people in Afghanistan in the middle of troop withdrawals of Taliban's further involvement in, and terror there. God, none of us are capable of knowing the complexities of all that's happened, but what we do know is that Great mistakes have been made across party lines in our own convictions. God, I pray for transformation for us, for our hearts, for our leaders, and protection and provision for the people of Afghanistan, particularly women and children, the most vulnerable. God, in the middle of a global pandemic, an upsurge in cases of COVID-19 here in the States, pray for changed hearts and minds. The more people would be open and willing to vaccination, that we would have strong leadership that would help guide us from a place of great division into a place where we don't think about ourselves as primary, but care for those around us and make decisions for what's good and healing for our greater community. God, for continued racial tensions, we pray for your peace. 
we pray that you would raise up strong voices within us, that you would teach us what it means to be an ally. Teach us when to be silent and listen. Teach us when to use our voices for advocacy. Allow us to be places of influence in those relationships where we can make a difference. Thank you for Central. Thank you for each one of us here, each one of us listening later, um, each one of us who's been connected here. Thank you for your church. Allow us to be part of a process of openness and inclusion and hope and healing, not just at Central, but throughout your church for all your people who are all people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning for our liturgy, I wanted to share with you a prayer from um, a book called A Rhythm of Prayer, and this is a selection from Barbara Brown Taylor, um, who has been very influential uh, later in my life here. Um, but it's particularly appropriate as we're talking about deconstruction and reconstruction again here this morning. Um, and that's exactly the context of what this is written. And so this prayer is called Approaching the Mountain in Prayer by Barbara Brown Taylor. Let's pray. God Almighty, God the three in one, loving God, great creator. Dear God, I don't know how to begin my prayers anymore. It's not that I wanna go back to the way it was, when I imagined you with your chin on your hand, inclining your ear to me like a patient confessor, or like a slightly more available father who might be persuaded to give me what I wanted in exchange for good behavior. The longer I have known you, the more I have lost sight of you, which is not as bad as it sounds. We're so close now that I can't imagine you with giant ears, with eyebrows over golden eyes, massive hands that give or take by your inscrutable will, there would have to be more distance between us for that. We are so close now that you come to me as breath, pulse, wind, sap, the steady humming current that weds all living things. Imagine a mountain, I say to those who want to go there, one so familiar that you can see it with your eyes closed, green in summer, bare in winter, iridescent at sunset. It's always where it's supposed to be, right there on the horizon. You've loved it from afar. Now imagine deciding to climb that mountain, not once, but over and over again, first by the marked path, then by the deer trails, then by making your own way up, one day you pray in the dry stream bread, stream bed. One day you pray under the stone outcrop. One day you pray face down in the sweet birch leaves. My point is the better you know the mountain, the more intimate you become, the harder it is to see it whole as something separate from yourself. You're not looking at the mountain anymore. You're not even on the mountain. You're in the mountain's life as it pours into you. This makes words hard to come by. O thou who art, 
Thank you for green. Wake me up to blue. Receive the fine ash of my sadness. Blow a seed my way. Schooled in prayer, I hear what's missing. Clarity of separation between creator and creation. Attention to the needs of others. Admission of my shortcomings. A little more Christology, please. These days, I say so much less than that. Thank God, dear God, you don't seem to mind. We both look, we both like the words because they mean I'm paying attention. That we both know the prayer is in the silent. Ragged breath becoming steady, then still, until I'm all ears for you, here in the mountain of your presence, where I can't see anymore. O thou who art, breathe on me, and I shall be saved. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Now's the time in our service we'll be taking communion together. As Bob mentioned earlier, uh, if you haven't had a chance to grab elements, please do so now. Uh, we just like to use whatever we have available um, in our respective uh, spaces. Um, so whatever it is you have representing the bread and the cup today, um, please feel free to grab it. <clears throat> uh, this morning, I'm gonna be reading a um, uh, reflection, a prayer about communion. It's going to start with a responsive reading. So I'll put it in the chat here. Um, I'll read the parts in parentheses, um, and you all are invited to respond with the parts not in parentheses. Feel free to unmute. Um, the cacophony of uh, delayed voices is always a fun one, kind of reminding you of what it's like to be in person, but please feel free if you feel comfortable to unmute and respond. Um, and then join me in prayer as we prepare for communion. The Holy One be with you. And, and also, also with you. you. Open your hearts to the one who is love. Our, Our hearts, hearts are open, open to, God. to God. Let us give thanks and praise to the Holy One. We, we give, give you thanks, thanks O God. God. Let's pray. Indeed, we give you thanks, O God for you keep showing up to meet us at this table. Created in your image, you made us different from one another, and yet we are also one. Still, we fight tooth and nail to keep your table from hosting the fullness of your body. Though we long to practice love, evil still has its way in us and our communities. We struggle to confront the unjust powers and prejudices that keep us from being in full relationship with you and one another. In Jesus, you showed us an alternative way. Jesus, who practiced countercultural socializing, was friends with the despised ones of his time, sex workers, the ill, bleeding women, tax collectors, the poor. Jesus, God in flesh, found companionship in the ones deemed sinners or unclean by religious leaders. And he modeled for us what it looks like to practice love, not only interpersonally, but by confronting political and religious powers that destroy. Because of his relentless pursuit of love, he was seized by those in power. And on the night he would be arrested, he gathered his companions for a meal. He took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and shared it with his disciples, saying, take, eat, 
This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of Christ with us and with the hope that we too might pursue love so relentlessly, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your spirit on these gifts, O God. Make this a meal that nourishes us on this long journey we share together, that by your spirit we might seize every opportunity before us to advance love, justice, and compassion in the face of evil in all of its forms. For the sake of all that aches in this world, our church, and within every creature in creation, we come to your table hungry for a taste of your kingdom. Amen. With that, I invite you to take the elements on your own. All right, morning guys. We just have one quick announcement. Um, after church today, we will be having brunch at Aaron Emily's at the Parsonage. Um, just a reminder, um, bring a dish to pass if you are able to, but there is usually plenty of food. Um, and then if you are not vaccinated, please wear a mask and mask children over two. Um, and additionally, there will be a bouncy house with a water slide so the kids can play. Uh, so be prepared for that as well. Um, and then I will pass it on to Aaron now. Thanks, Angie. Yeah, we're not putting water in the water slide this morning because I think it's a little good for that. But uh, there is there is the good old bouncy house which keeps the kids happy and out of your hair. Anyway. All right, so I want to talk about the parable of the prodigal son today from Luke chapter 15. We're all probably familiar with this story. So I'll offer a quick recap. There once was a wealthy man with two sons. One day, the youngest asked his father for his inheritance early so that he could begin enjoying it now. The father agreed, and the son took the money, left home, squandered it on wine and women and partying until he had nothing left. In order to survive, he took a job feeding pigs, but he soon found himself miserable and starving. So he decided that he was going to return home and beg his father not to take him back as his son. He believed that that ship had sailed, uh, but instead he was going to beg his father to hire him on as one of his staff. And so as he approached his father's estate. His father saw him coming from a long way off and ran down the road to meet him and took him back uh, with open arms as his son. Um, and then he threw him this huge welcome home party. The older brother saw this and became jealous and angry and told his father that he felt deeply disrespected because he had been faithful and, and dutiful all these years, but was never celebrated like this. The father responded kindly to his 
eldest son and told him that he is equally loved as his brother, but that they must celebrate his brother's return because he was, he was thought to be dead, but is in fact alive and well and finally home. So that's the story uh, of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. And I think it's obviously about the unconditional love of God. The common interpretation is that the father represents God and the disgruntled but faithful older son represents, well, the Pharisees, perhaps, uh, the religious leaders who look down their noses at anyone uh, they deem to be wayward and sinful. The prodigal son, therefore, is seen as anyone who has you know, left the righteous path and, and how God is, is like a loving and gracious father, you know, welcomes them back with open arms, much to the consternation often of religious folks. But I want to suggest a slightly different reading of this story today. And that's okay, because, you know, it's a story. <laughs> it's a parable. It's a narrative and therefore open to a variety of different readings. And, um, and so here's, here's my take on it. I want to suggest that maybe the best way to read this story, at least for us, is to read it as about a son who, despite leaving home, despite all his traveling, exploring, and changing, despite all this, he never actually was outside the father's love, which is something he realized the moment he saw his father running down the road to receive him back uh, before he even said, I'm sorry, right? At that moment, he realized that his feelings of estrangement from his father were an illusion and a self-generated one at that. As soon as he saw his father, he realized that he was always loved and there was never anything to fear. In a sense, this is not a story about a lost son who was found, but it's a story about a son who was never lost in the first place because he was never outside his father's love. And I think that's meaningful for us because I think a lot of us feel like the prodigal son in our spiritual journey. In a sense, to undergo deconstruction is to undergo the journey of the prodigal son. It's to leave home, right? To leave behind the safety and security of our family and the faith we grew up on. It's to venture out into the unknown and to explore and to take risks and to change. And, and to do so is to be labeled a prodigal or a heretic, right? Maybe you've been called such. Uh, like me. And so like the prodigal son, we can end up feeling lost and alone and alienated from our father, so to speak, from the God or the faith of our upbringing. We wonder if we can ever, we can ever return home again, so to speak. We wonder if there's even a home or a father to return to, a faith or a God to return to or reconstruct something around. So for me, the story of the prodigal son uh, is kind of the story of deconstruction. And, and like the story of deconstruction that so many of us share, I think there is a chance for reconstruction or for a homecoming, if you will. But it's not about returning to the past. It's not about returning to or reconstructing our former evangelical faith. It's not about repenting of our doubts or our, or our questions or our unbelief or for our new beliefs. It's not about um, any of that. But it's about realizing that even in our deconstruction, even in our traveling and in our, in, in our exploring and within our changing, we've always been inside the Father's love. Which is to say that we've always been at home. We've always been connected to the source, the sacred, the divine, the transcendent, 
the one, whatever you want to call it. And it goes by many different names. Uh, I encourage you to find a name, a vocabulary word that works for you. The point is, we have never been estranged from it. We have always been right where we're at, within the heart, within the love of the Father. And you don't have to be a person of faith or religious or uh, any of that to sense this deep connection with something transcendent or the source of all being and love. I'm reminded of something Sam Harris wrote recently, who is, of course, uh, if you don't know who Sam Harris is, he's a, a well-known neuroscientist and a very outspoken atheist, very kind of anti-religion. But in a recent book, he writes about an experience he had once while walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee in, in Jesus's footsteps. He writes this, as I gazed at the surrounding hills, a feeling of peace came over me. It soon grew to a blissful stillness that silenced my thoughts. In an instant, the sense of being a separate self, an I or a me vanished. If I were a Christian, I would undoubtedly have interpreted this experience in Christian terms. I might believe that I had glimpsed the oneness of God or been touched by the Holy Spirit, end quote. Again, that's, <laughs> that's Sam Harris, which is pretty amazing if you know who Sam Harris is. The point is, regardless of where you're at on the faith spectrum, from atheist to theist, from mystic to materialist to you know, Christ or Christian or non-Christian, regardless of where you're at, you can experience a deep and abiding sense of oneness and a sense of being connected to the source of all being and love, to the, to the Father, so to speak. Anybody can get there. And I would argue that this is what any religion worth its salt is in large part about. I would argue that the religious and spiritual inclination of our species, and our species has exhibited this spiritual and religious inclination since its, its, its inception a few hundred thousand years ago. I would argue that this inclination is rooted in our innate and universal sense that we are part of some greater whole, whatever that may be. And this feeling, um, this, this inclination is not just spiritually true or mystically true, but physically true. We know this. Scientists are discovering every day more and more about how inter interconnected everything is. We have words for this now, like quantum entanglement, which I won't pretend to really understand, but I know it means that everything is connected and interconnected and related in ways that we can't even really know. It's also entirely true to say that we are connected even to the stars. Every element in our body was created in the nuclear furnace of distant stars that died off billions of years ago and showered their substance throughout the cosmos, which then became planets and plants and people and everything else. The fact is we are stardust. We are living stars. And if that doesn't fill you with a sense of awe and wonder, I don't know what will. The point is everything is connected and we, and we can experience that connectedness and that oneness through quieting our minds and egos and losing our sense of individuality and gaining instead an awareness of our place within the greater whole. And by doing so, I don't think we can avoid a feeling of deep serenity, awe and wonder, which again, I think is, is part of the core of any religion or spiritual tradition worth itself. And perhaps this is what reconstruction is really about 
for us. It isn't about returning to a particular set of beliefs or a particular religion, but it's about realizing we were never really lost or estranged from God, the source, the one, whatever you want to call it. We were never really lost or estranged from it in the first place. We've always been home. Deconstruction didn't take us away from God, and reconstruction cannot bring us back because we have always been within the Father's love. We have always been connected to the source of all being and love. Understanding this is perhaps all reconstruction is and all we ever need it to be. To put it another way, maybe reconstruction is really just about learning to tell ourselves a different story and doing away with the false stories that we're lost, we're in exile, we're estranged, we're disconnected from God, and we need to find our way back home. No, no. I, I think the true story is that we could no sooner be de disconnected from God than the earth could become untethered from the sun. We have always been connected. We have always been inside the Father's love. We, we can be nowhere else. It's not, it's not possible. Psalm 139 echoes this truth so well, and I want to conclude with this today. Where can I go from your spirit, the psalmist writes? Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. The word of the Lord. So I want to open it up today for, uh, for some dialogue. If anybody wants uh, to talk about any of this, any, any questions or comments? Does uh, reconstruction, how do, you, how do you define reconstruction? Maybe that's a good question to ask. Do you feel like you're in reconstruction or, or have you undergone some reconstruction? How does that work for you? How do you define it? Anybody want to talk about that? I'll say something, see if it... Uh gets gets anybody uh, motivated uh it's okay if it doesn't though yeah um, sure. that's true <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um i was just thinking uh this this question and some of the concepts you brought up and reconstruction um have been on my mind a lot lately and theo uh our five and a half year old is at that age where like he's heard some things about God, like some from our church, right back when um, they're in Sunday school, but a lot also from his grandparents, um, which are a bit of uh, like competing theologies that we're now trying to be like, no, 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 yeah, yeah. not, <laughs> this is not, how we want to 
want this to go. Um, anyway, the point is like, he's been asking more questions, right? And about being like, um, this robot is like bigger than God. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, just like really random, like, and, and so it'll be moments to be like, hey, let's talk about this. Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, um, what do you think, what do you think God is? And um, it's, it's honestly, it's been uh, both really challenging and uh, rewarding sometimes um, as we kind of help try to shape, like for Karis and I, right? Like, what does God mean? Who is God in reconstruction? Um, and we've been focusing a lot on what you're talking about, Aaron, in the sense of like, I've tried to be like, hey, we're all we're all connected, like we're all made out of the exact same stuff. And that like what I do matters, right, for my neighbors and the way we love and help each other. Like that's like where God is. That's what God is. It's within the act of loving and um, serving one another. And, you know, sometimes it works. Uh, I mean, most of the time it doesn't. Um, but Karis had to talk with him about how like God is kindness um, and love and like a couple hours later, he like um, before bedtime sprinted into the, the other room and was just like cleaning up his uh, toys and stuff like frantically and just putting everything away. And I walked in, I was like, dude, what are you doing, man? We're supposed to be getting ready for bed. And he's like, I'm cleaning up all my stuff for you guys because mom told me God is kindness. Like, and it was just like one of these like oh, <laughs> moments. Um, but all to say, I mean, this, this question, <laughs> it's tough for adults, right? In terms of like, it always has been tough for adults, which is why I think so many of us and so many religions and churches have tended to the easy answers, right? It's easy to be like, hey, this is a person in the sky who has magic powers. It's a lot harder to break it down and say it's it's not. So so if we're if we're going to hold on to a belief in God and a faith um, in the unseen, putting words to it can be can be really tricky. So um, I really like I really like the idea of you know the, the stardust one always gets me. But it's true, right? On a molecular chemical level, like we are made up of the same things, all of us, and the same as the stars and the planets. And like, that's amazing. Um, and we, we're connected and we're all made out of the same stuff. And there's, there's goodness and, uh, you know, faith in, in the connectedness that I think is really important to be able to, to name and, and hold on to. So that's all. I just wanted great, to share. great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. And Akila, yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I thought it was great. But I also was just thinking, um, it's been a long time since I heard that story or read it. And like, I listened to it literally this time. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just like, this is what the story is. And historically, I have always um, related to the older son, mm -hmm. in the sense of like, and, and my, and my mom's not here and I won't tell her story, but, and also my mom is like an older, like she's always that steady one that's always there. And so like, I always related to that story. And what's interesting is I've had two loved ones um, recently who would probably be considered like the younger son, right? So like I have a, a friend who's very ill and so um, had the opportunity to do something kind for her. And like, she, it was very much like the younger son, like I was away and I thought people didn't care about me anymore. You know, it was all that stuff. And then at the end, I was just like, yeah, I love you and I'm happy to do it. Like it wasn't, it was very much just like, you're in a place where you need something. I'm happy to, to 
to give you what you need. And right, I never stopped loving you just because I have you stopped talking to me or I haven't talked to you in a long time. Um, and so this is probably the first time I had compassion for the younger son. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. Thanks. Thank you. Great stuff. Anybody else want to share any thoughts they had today or reactions to this material? Yeah, I like that lyric, Jason. What if we've always been trying to get where we've always been? I think there's something very healing and, and therapeutic about that. Um, very true. Well, good stuff, everybody. Uh, we want to end service a little early today. So everybody has a chance uh, who's able to come on over for brunch. It starts... I mean, at 11, but, you know, it's, it starts when it starts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if, if you can't bring anything to eat, that's okay. Come anyway and hang out for a little while. We'll be here. Um, we can continue the conversation here. Uh, but otherwise, thank you so much for, for being part of this community and for being here today. And I look forward to seeing you real soon. We are dismissed. <laughs>